Well, good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. Are you doing okay today? Oh, man, I tell you what, I love that video because it talks about Father's Day. I loved my dad. He died back in 1983, and yet he inspired me in so many ways. You know, there were some other men that were like fathers to me as well that all through these years invested in my life. I just lost one of them in September. A man who I called off my second, uh, my second dad or my spiritual dad, it was a very powerful time um, as he, uh, after my dad died, just kind of took me under his wing and uh, guided me not only in life but also in ministry. And I know that you probably have had experiences like that too with your, with your father or with a man that came beside you and encouraged you to help you. Those are the kinds of things that we so celebrate. Uh, this is my first year being a grandfather, which I... I think that's in September, right? But I'll try to celebrate it every time I possibly can. <laughs> but you know, my, uh, I'm wearing this tie. This tie, it says, I love my daddy. My kids gave me that when they were about like this. And now they have kids of their own. It is amazing as we get this sense of how God brings families into our life. And it is all under that umbrella we call our Heavenly Father. Today we have come to not only honor the men that have surrounded us and encouraged us, but also our Heavenly Father to give Him the honor and praise and glory. So as we get ready to celebrate this time, this service, and celebrate our Heavenly Father, we want to welcome you. And this, if this is the very first time that you've ever been here, we'd love for you to take the guest card in the pew in front of you and fill it out. When you get ready to leave, uh, just drop it in the uh, offering boxes as you leave because we'd like to acknowledge your being with us today. Just to let you know that we appreciate this very special time that you've spent with us because you took time and effort. As every single member and every single guest attendee that we've had, you guys take the time and the opportunity because it's important. It's important for you and it's important for us to gather together to give praise to God. Join me in prayer, and then we're going to continue our time of celebration. Father, thank you for the time, the opportunity that we get to come and celebrate your name. And I pray through this entire service that you will be glorified. I pray, God, in this service, not only when we lift our voices up in praise, but also, Father, when we hear the scriptures, we hear the prayers, the testimonies, the specials, the instrumentalists, that God, all of these elements join together allow us as brothers and sisters in Christ to give you our Heavenly Father honor. Father, we're able to do that because of what your Son Jesus Christ did for us. So thank you. And this morning, we give our thanks to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is a joy for me to be back to see you all. I have missed you the last... 16 months with our season of COVID. Nice to see us coming out of the tunnel for that. I know most of us have gotten our vaccinations and we're feeling like there may be life after COVID. So it's <laughs> wonderful to see you in the house of the Lord today. I want us to speak words of scripture to each other and encourage each other and as we sing together. Blessing and honor and glory and dominion to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. To God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord 
of heaven and earth. God, God reigns over the, the nations. nations. God, God is seated on his, on his throne. holy throne. The leaders of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Our God reigns. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace, who brings good news of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Our God reigns.
join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for this absolutely beautiful day that you have given to us. A day that we can worship you, giving you the praise and the glory for all that you do and all that you are. A day that we can celebrate our earthly fathers. We celebrate their love for their families, their trust and their faith in you. Lord, you've given our fathers a huge responsibility in preserving the stability of the family and furthering of your kingdom. We ask that you give them the strength and the wisdom to carry out this task that you've given to them. Lord, I, I pray for our country and our nation. It's no secret to you that we as a nation have fallen away from you. There are so many that are empty hungry and searching for something more. Allow the Holy Spirit to move each of us to spread the seeds of salvation so that the harvest may be great in the day of your coming. Lord, may we experience your presence as Dr. Kennedy delivers your words, your words that penetrate our, our hearts and lead us to seek you and be obedient to you. We love you, Lord. We are forever grateful for your faithful, unconditional love for us. I ask all of this in accordance with your perfect will. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. The song we're about to sing is Abba, Father. Now in English, I guess the closest thing to Abba would probably be Daddy. It's a very intimate term that we, as his children, can address our Heavenly Father. So as you sing these songs, think about singing to your Heavenly Father the way he loves us so much and allows us as his children, even though we are sinful, to worship him and have communion with him. He knows everything about it, yet he loves us. Jehovah Shammah, you 
Source of our life without 
Lynn, thank you so much. What does it take for love to last? I'm sure there's a lot of answers to that, but specifically, let's focus on love for just a moment. I remember hearing a story back a number of years ago about a, um, let's see, I think it was a boy, probably about 10 years old, and he just had a liking to a girl that was right about 10 years old too. In fact, they were in the same class together, and you know, she was smart, and he liked to kind of get around her because she could help him with his homework. And finally, one day, he decided, you know what, I'm going to ask her out on a date. And so, this 10-year-old went and rang the doorbell. There came the father to the door and said, can I help you? I, I want to take your daughter out on a date. He said, where are you going? And he said, well, I want to go to the park and back. He said, okay. And so, out came this 10-year-old girl, and off they went. Not into the sunset, but down the block, across to the park, about an hour later, I came back. It was getting a little bit dark. He said, man, I, I like this girl. And so he said, you know, I'd really like to kiss this girl. But he remembered what his mom always said. Before you ever make a major decision in life, make sure that you pray about it. And so in his mind, he said, Father, Father up above, should I kiss the girl I love? A booming voice from above said, center, center, down below, pucker up and let her go. <laughs> oh, my. Love. What does it take for love to last? How many of you remember Red Skelton? Yeah, okay. I found something that I thought was interesting. It was Red Skelton's recipe for a perfect marriage. I won't read it all because of time's sake, but here's what he had to say. Two times a week, we go to a nice restaurant, have a little beverage, good food, and companionship. She goes on Tuesdays, I go on Fridays. <laughs> we also sleep in separate beds. Hers in California, mine in Texas. I take her everywhere I go, but you know she keeps finding her way back. I asked my wife where she wanted to go for her anniversary, and she said, you know, I want to go somewhere I haven't been in a long, long time. And he said, how about the kitchen? <laughs> we always hold hands, he said, because if I don't, she's going to go shopping. One day, my wife told me the car wasn't running so well because there was water in the carburetor. I asked her well, where the car was. She said, in the lake. I married Miss Wright. He said, I just didn't realize that her first name was Always. <laughs> I haven't spoken to my wife in 18 months, he said, because I don't want to interrupt her. <laughs> oh, the, the laughter's getting down a little bit. He said, the last fight was my fault, though. My wife asked, what's on the TV? And I said, dust. Red Skelton's recipe, not mine, for a perfect marriage. I don't know if you ever watched the show Reba, but on that show I remember there was one particular time um, that her father and mother came to visit her, 
And uh, Reba was going through a, a difficult time. I think they were separated at the time, uh, her and her husband. And uh, her father pulled her aside, and they talked about marriage. And her father said, well, in my mind, the key to a happy marriage is silence. That was it. Silence. He said, we came from Muleshoe all the way down to Houston, eight-hour trip, and six of those hours of just silence. <laughs> I asked my mom one time, I said, had you ever considered divorce at all? She said, absolutely not. Murder, yes, but not divorce, you know. There's all kinds of things out there that people give and share with the idea of saying, this is love that's going to last forever. I think the Bible has a lot more to say. Substance. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25 as our launching uh, part is, because uh, we're going to take a, a good portion of this passage of Scripture this morning. But the Apostle Paul said, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body for which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also the wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave him up for it. The Apostle Paul had a recipe for a love that lasts. I uh, read a story about an old sea captain and Trumby's Reef along the coast of Maine. As a young boy, he was around the water all the time. In fact, he began sailing when he was a young boy. He sailed around the world. Finally, over the course of time, became the captain of his own ship. Through stormy voyages and dangerous arbors were no stranger to him. In fact, as the story went on, it talked about his frequent voyages and had encounters with many dangers, but he always seemed to manage to guide his ship through the fiercest storm or the most dangerous harbor. He was a skilled sailor, and he had great confidence in his own ability. Well, through the years, and after his long and distinguished career, he made his final trip home. He sailed back to his home port in Maine. That's the place where he started. It is the place that we find he knew like the back of his hand. Every rock, every reef, everything he understood and he knew. We find here that uh, as he sailed that ship through those known waters with the confidence that he had on this final voyage, that the reality is he wrecked the ship on Trumby's Reef. And though he had sailed the seven seas, he piled up on a rock near home. And I think there's a lesson for us, and I think the Apostle Paul brings that lesson to the surface. You see, home is the place where we let our hair down as such. We let our defenses down. We relax. But if love is to last, and if the home is to endure, we must beware of the rocks nearest home. So Paul tells us how to make love last. He says there are three elements that are absolutely critical. First, he talks about uh, the, the wife's attitude in the marriage. 
In verse 22, he said, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. That's a kind of a key phrase there. In the ancient world, it was a man's world. And there was no more parent in the place of the home. In Jewish families, we find that many times uh, a wife was little more than a uh, personal possession. In the Greek world, we find that they confined their women many times to the household, to their own quarters, would not even let them eat with the men. But here we find the Apostle Paul, he begins to pivot and give an understanding that Jesus himself did because Jesus elevated the role of the woman, the wife. The Apostle Paul does the same thing. Some people look at this passage and all of a sudden the, the hairs on the back of their head kind of stand up. What do you mean submit? They miss the very point of a whole passage. And I want you to walk with me through this passage. It's critical. We find that Paul's instructions are striking a contrast. We find that one duty of the wife that Paul uh, insist in this passage is that of the idea of submission it's a duty placed on her by Jesus and while the wife stands on equal footing before Almighty Christ with her husband this is a role that was given to her and see if we can understand what that actually means here the wife's unselfish love inspires her to submit to her husband's leadership it's the idea of the wife's unselfish love and I believe that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. For love to last in the home, in the marriage, it must be unselfish. At the same time, the Apostle Paul, he addresses the husbands in verse 25. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave him up, himself up for it. That word love, it's larger and means more than just a a, a romantic or an affection type of love or an attachment like that it speaks of a higher form of love a, a deliberate attitude that speaks and shows itself in great concern because the well-being of our spouse of our wife is the most important thing to us under Christ it is that word agape that implies that your needs are greater than my needs so I'm gonna meet your needs before I, I meet my needs so what does that say? Paul comes in and he says, listen, a husband is to have an attitude of unselfish love just as the wife does, and they go hand in hand. You see, the husband's unselfish love inspires him to always seek her best. So it's not a domineering role. It's not this attitude that says, I'm the head of the, uh, of the family, and so you'll do exactly what I'll, I say. It doesn't portray that at all. The Apostle Paul, in fact, kind of changes that paradigm. He comes in and says, listen, wives, I want you to submit to the leadership of your husband because your husband is submitting to the leadership of Christ. And what did Christ do? Christ gave himself for the church. Therefore, the idea that the husband is going to be unselfish and willing to give himself for the very best of his wife. The word love also comes from the same word in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. It's a love that focuses upon sacrifice and the welfare of the beloved. In John 3, 16, he loved the world. This love that's used 
that, that Paul uses is the same, same idea that the husband's love is so, so deep for his wife that he would do anything to make it better for her. It's the kind of love that Christ has for the church. It's the kind of love that carefully protects the wife who chooses to submit to her husband. And if need be, he not only protects, but he also will die for his wife. You know, if somebody was willing to die for me, I mean, to literally lay their life down, I would have so much respect, I would follow that type of leadership. For love to last, it must be unselfish. Secondly, Paul says, for love to last, it must be caring. It's so caring that it forgets itself. We go back, we look at verse 22 and verse 25. It says, wives, submit yourselves. Husbands, love your wives. That agape type of love. Their needs are greater than your needs, so you do everything you can to meet their needs, not your own. In today's world, the mantra is focus on yourself. Do what makes you happy. Be true to yourself. This is me time. But if love is going to last, you're going to have to forget yourself and you're going to have to care for your spouse. Wives, he says, submit. Forget yourself. Voluntarily submit to your husband. You say, it's not about becoming your own person and usurping the headship of the family. That's not the idea here. In fact, the context here shows that the wife's submission is a voluntary act. The Greek verb here makes it an earnest appeal, not an emphatic command. There are those that might even preach from pulpits that come back with this idea of an emphatic, wives, you must submit. But that's not the context of what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, this is a voluntary choice that you make, and you make that choice because your husband has shown that he loves you more than anything else except God. And he will do anything for you. Her submission is prompted and warranted by the husband's unselfish love. Paul also states that she does this as unto the Lord. Key phrase there, as unto the Lord. The idea of each one of us as believers in Christ, but specifically talking about wives here, have you submitted yourself unto the Lord? Is he the Lord of your life? We spoke about that last week. Is he the Lord of all of our lives? If he is, then it comes to an understanding that there is this unselfish love. We submit ourselves to the Lord, then if we have a husband who's willing to die for us and wants the very best for us and does everything he can to do that, then there is a voluntary submission. There can only be one head in the church or in the family. Christ in the church. He says, husbands, love your wives. Forget yourself. Show the caring side to your wife. Love her. Make her the greatest priority. Now, how is your husband, how is he to love his wife? Well, Paul expresses three things in these passages that I think are critical. First, the, the, the way that a husband is to express his unselfish love to his wife, his care to his wife. It comes out of verse 25 when he says, as Christ loved the church. Husbands, you're to love your wife as Christ loved 
the church. How much did Christ love the church? He gave himself completely, completely. His death, his burial, his resurrection, he gave and sacrificed it all. That's a tall challenge for us as husbands to do all that we can to say our wives, they deserve that. And so I'm going to do all that I can to do what Christ did and meet her needs to the greatest. And I'm going to sacrifice whatever it takes. Secondly, he said in verse 28, as his own body. So he's to love his wife as Christ loved the church. He's to love his wife as his own body. As Christ loves the church, his body, in like manner, though husbands ought to love their wives as being their own bodies. Husbands and wives are complementary parts of one personality. He should love his wife because she is his body. They are one flesh. They are joined together is what the scripture has to say. In the Christian worldview, oneness in Christ, according to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, we also find that the husband and wife are joint heirs of the grace of life, Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. If husbands would love their wives like their own bodies, if they want to care for it, they want to, to try to be... Um, as healthy as possible they want to try to eat right they want to try to exercise they want to try to stay mentally alert if they would focus their attention and say listen that's the way I need to treat my wife I want the very best for her third he says with a transcending love he says it should be the top priority among all other relationships except the relationship with the Heavenly Father go down to verses 31 through 33 the scripture tells us for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh this is a profound mystery but I'm talking about Christ in the church however each one of you should also and must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband what does it say it tells us that there's a time in our lives where we make the decision that this is the person that I'm going to embrace for the rest of my life. This is the person that I love. I'm going to take, I'm going to take this one as my spouse, my wife. And therefore, I leave my father and mother. My father and mother, while still important to me, they no longer are going to guide my life. My relationship with my wife is of, of greater standing than that of my parents. <laughs> as, a, as a father, that sure isn't easy. I love my daughters. And man, I tell you what, I really, I really had a hard time just letting them go. But that's the way it is. The scripture says here, uh, that they should be joined unto his wife. And there's an interesting term. It actually has an idea of glued, that you are glued to your wife. It's permanent. It's there. You leave your parents, 
and you're joined to your wife. That union is so intimate that they become one flesh, he says. And this love is also to be greater than the love that we have for our children. Now, is it that kind of hard? We love our children. We would do anything for our children. But the love of the spouse, the love of a husband for his wife, it even surpasses that of our children. That's why the Apostle Paul says, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. It's also caring that it is sacrificial. Wives, husbands, love as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I don't know what more can be said about Christ's example that he gave to husbands and wives. He sacrificed himself. But sometimes we can just say that. We say it all the time. Yeah, we know that Christ died on the cross. I just want to make sure that you understand how meaningful that is. I want to make sure that you understand what Christ actually had to do because he loved us. And take that and transfer that to our understanding that in our human ability and with everything we have, with God's help, that we need to do all we can to sacrifice so that we express our love to our spouse. We must follow that same sacrifice. It's so caring that it brings out the best in each one of us. Rita Rudner said, I love being married. It's so great to find that one person, that one special person, you want to annoy for the rest of your life. <laughs> to have that kind of love, that you could annoy each other from time to time, and it's okay. <laughs> but you found that person, and you focus on that person. Verses 26 through 28 says, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. <coughs> Sometimes when a husband doesn't express or show or have that kind of love for his wife, it's because he doesn't have a love for himself. There's something inside of him he knows isn't right. And so he lashes out or he acts out in ways because he himself is broken. But that can be fixed. <coughs> there can be a, a transformation in a person's heart and mind. Paul said, be transformed <coughs> that can happen and so if we're husbands and we aren't at the place where we are showing and exhibiting that sacrificial kind of love that love that cares so much that love that wants to to bring out the very best in our spouse and our wives and vice versa then we need to look within ourselves and see how can i make those adjustments and that that might be just a mental adjustment, a change in our attitude. It might be reading a good book. It might be seeing a counselor. 
whatever it takes to make those adjustments make sure that you look at your spouse and say i want the very best for them and so i'm going to invest everything i can paul here is talking about the church and what christ has done for the church but there's a projection here that i think clearly shows that if husbands and wives express their love and their selfless care for each other it is going to bring out the very best in each one you can do nothing else i don't think because if you continue to invest in your spouse and you make their priorities your priorities the very best things that are for them you champion and you cheer and you do whatever you can to come beside that's going to bring out the very very best in our spouses third the apostle paul said for this love to last it must be well founded there's an epitaph on an old new england headstone that reads this here lies the body of obadiah wilkinson and ruth his wife their warfare is accomplished It'll take just a minute. <laughs> In contrast of a marriage that there's just always bickering and battling and fighting, he says, Paul does, that a love that's going to rest on the right kind of foundation is going to bring about peace and harmony and contentment in a marriage. There are three reasons I think that that happens. First, I think it's built on a fear or reverence of God. If you go back to verse 21, the scripture says, submit to one another out of reverence of Christ. You know, a lot of times that, that really changes the dynamic or the conversation when we don't start in verse 22 where it says, wives, submit yourselves. If you go to verse 21, it says, submit to one another. One another out of reverence for Christ reverence for Christ comes when one is filled with the Holy Spirit reverence for Christ shows itself by each spouse not being rude not being egotistical not having a selfish preference for one's own opinion it's my way or the highway I'm always right by not being stubborn or having a stubborn insistence on their own rights but no, it is, it is a submission to one another with the focus upon Christ. If you revere Christ and you're a believer in Christ, those are the qualities and characteristics that should, should come through each of us. It's an attitude that embraces the example of Jesus. As Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, who did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself taking the form of a servant there's an idea that for each one of us as husbands and wives that we take on that role of a servant wanting the very best for our spouse what does that mean you know if I'm transparent I did not do this early on in my marriage but we ought to acknowledge and affirm each other's personalities and giftedness 
and strengths as something, even though it may be different than ours, but as something that actually brings us together, that complements each other, that adds strength to that marriage and that couple. The fact is, we are all different. And when we marry somebody, many times it's a person who's different than we are. But where we're weak, they may be strong. Where they may have a strong personality, we may have a different kind of personality. It all meshes together to bring this incredible marriage union if we're sensitive and we're listening and if we take that to heart. I saw a number of years ago something that I don't see often when I go to restaurants. These days when I go to restaurants and, and we're, we're eating, I see so many people just on their phones sitting there around tables. There might be a table of four and all four of them are on their phones. We were sitting at, at uh, Cracker Barrel one time and I just saw this man and this woman. They were having dinner and all they were doing, they were eating, but they were looking in each other's eyes and they were talking through the entire dinner. They were interacting together. There wasn't this idea of silence. There wasn't th uh, this idea that, gosh, I, I, I'd rather be somewhere else. But they were engaged, focused. They had a concern for one another. That said a lot to me. There was this idea of mutual respect. Listen, a wife will voluntarily submit to a husband in whom she respects. And the same is true of a husband. He will love his wife to the end of the world if he feels that she respects him. And he respects her. Not looking down on weaknesses, not looking down on differences or frailties, but rather a mutual respect. Looking at that person that we love or we've been married to for X number of years and just, man, I am the, I am the happiest guy in the world. I am the luckiest guy in the world. Not because she or he is perfect, but because they help make me better. Thirdly, it's built on mutual love for Christ. Paul said in verses 24 and 25, now, as the church submits to Christ, there's that word submits again. You know, you see that a lot in this passage. Submit to each other. Here he says, as the church submits to Christ, so also the wives should submit to their own husbands and everything. And husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Mutual love for Christ reveals itself by both the husband and the wife submitting their wills to the lordship of Christ. It's not easy when one spouse is spiritually mature or tuned in to spiritual things and their spouse is not. It is difficult. But the one who is, is focused on spiritual things, they must maintain that focus and continue in that relationship 
with Christ, that he be the Lord of their life. But I will tell you that a mutual love, when there is in a marriage a mutual love for Christ, it's going to reveal itself in that each one wants the Lord to be the Lord of their lives. As they humble themselves before Jesus, they're going to express that same mutual love for each other. For love to last, it must be unselfish, it must be caring. And it must have a critical foundation. And I ask you this morning as we celebrate a very special day, I ask you, those of you that are married, is that where your relationship is? As we celebrate this idea of the Lordship of Christ over our lives, whether we're couples today or whether we're, uh, we're singles, we're widows or widowers, whatever the case may be, when you get down to the crux of the matter, what the Apostle Paul is trying to get across, he's trying to say, listen, Christ needs to be the Lord of your life. And if he's the Lord of your life and you're in a marriage relationship, then there ought to be that mutual respect for one another. You ought to want the very best for your spouse, and so you are willing to to do everything the scripture says to say your needs are greater than mine so I'm going to submit everything I have to make sure that you your needs are met that's where the critical point comes over the years I've used a, I've used a, a book uh, His Needs Her Needs by Willard Harley it's an amazing book. It's not perfect for everybody, but that book, it identifies the five basic needs of the man and five basic needs of the woman and how to practically go through and accomplish and meet those needs. And it wasn't written by some white tower writer. This guy has, has counseled more than, well, a few years ago, it was more than, than 5,000 couples. And these are basically the... What he, the takeaways that he had. Needs. We go through every pew in this, in this auditorium. Every one of us have needs. For those who have spouses, those needs, we come together to help meet those needs. For those here today that are alone, Maybe that have lost their spouses. And there are some here today that have lost their spouses within the last year. But at no matter what time, it is difficult. You go back and you try to remember, try to think through. But what I come back to is what Christ wants for each of us to bring peace and contentment is to allow him to be the Lord of our life. Allow him to meet our, our needs and be open to this body of, of Christ to come beside, not in a way of a spouse, but of a friend, a companion, somebody that walks with you through these difficult times of life to lift you up and to encourage you and to want the very best for you as well. And so this morning, God's spoken to you However he's spoken to you, I'd ask you to listen. 
you make those decisions between you and God when this invitation comes as a body of Christ I would also ask that each one of us be very observant be watchful for those within our family of faith or the extended people that we are in contact with with the clubs or our neighbors or people that we work with of those who are alone for whatever reason and begin the effort to come beside them with the love of Christ to help them in the most difficult times of life father as we move into our time of invitation we we get a sense and an understanding about what it takes according to what Paul said for a love to last within a marriage and what we experience is that God you have given the greatest gift of love and it lasts forever and it comes through Jesus Christ and I pray for those who do not know Christ this morning that they would make the decision to choose to come and to say yes I want to give my life to Christ for the very first time because I want his love because he loves me more than anyone this morning <clears throat> during our invitation I pray that there might be opportunities for spouses to say you know what I haven't done everything I should have and I'm gonna start <coughs> I'm gonna begin making adjustments so that when I look at my spouse I'm gonna be thinking about what are their greatest needs how can I make and bring the very best out in their lives? And then I'm going to act to do that. And God, in front of you today, I'm going to strive to make that commitment. And I, I pray, God, for those who are walking in these years without a spouse for whatever reason, I ask that you'd put your loving arms around them and hold them close and tight God, you would help them to understand the depth of your love as they allow you to be the Lord of their life. <coughs> and Father, help them to be willing to accept brothers and sisters in Christ who come beside them to encourage. And God, I pray for this congregation that we would be very sensitive and attuned to the needs that people have and be willing to step in God, in this invitation, so much of it is between you and me and each person in the pew and what you've spoken to them. And I ask, however we need to respond, that we would. God, if there are folks here that are ready to come and be a part of this fellowship, we invite them to come and look forward to that opportunity to be brothers and sisters in a united family of faith investing in this community that you've called us to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand and let's sing our invitation.
Go ahead and be seated for just a moment. Thank you for being here today. We are so appreciated. Uh, Nancy's going to have a few things to share with us, but I, I just can't help myself. A week from today is our patriotic day. Um, our choir is going to present, and I'll let Nancy talk about that more in depth, but a patriotic musical. Uh, there's all kinds of things happening that day. Um, we have a special guest. I won't tell you who it is other than it's Bob the Historian. He's actually called Bob the History Guy. And we'll introduce him next week, but he's going to share some. Uh, he's a guy that, uh, that is so knowledgeable about our country's history. And uh, there's, some, there's some things he's going to share with you that you will want to hear. And then our choir presenting the, uh, the patriotic theme. It's just going to be a special time. And a hot dog, hot dog cookout. Man, how many of you like hot dogs? Okay, if you don't like a hot dog, I don't know what to tell you. We do have potato salad and beans and I don't know a few other things, but it's going to be a great time. We're going to have guys out there grilling uh, right off the grills. They're going to be hot. It's going to be as much as you want and all the fixings. It's going to be a very special time. I think there might even be some music uh, taking place too. Uh, so come, enjoy. I would suggest personally that you come uh, casual. Um, I'm going to wear a, a, polo, a, a polo next week, just like the choir will be. It is hot in this. Those two or three of us that have, uh, have suits or jackets on, would you agree? Uh, yeah, well, it is for me because I'm, I'm up here and it gets a little hotter up here. And I'm not saying anything about the choir. I might be saying something about the preacher, but not the choir. It just gets hot up there. So if you, uh, if you have neighbors and friends, I'd encourage you, let's, let's come. Our Bible study starts at 9. We have the fellowship at 10. Um, and then at 1030 is our patriotic service. So plan on coming and staying and really having a great time. We'll be eating inside, so you'll be in air conditioning, um, and we'll scatter all through our Christian Life Center and classrooms, whatever we need to do, uh, to be socially distanced where you're comfortable and be able to eat as well. It's going to be great. So let's keep that in mind. Uh, it is so good to have Gordon with us. Are you going to say something about Gordon? <laughs> okay, all right. I, I meant to introduce you, Gordon. Uh, because it's been so long, you I, you I don't. Know myself. I know myself. <laughs> yeah, I I'm I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, we have missed your humor. We've missed you. You look good though, after 16 months. Yeah. Okay. I'll let you uh, I'll let you take care of that. Uh, again, as you get ready to leave, 
uh, all the guys here, the men, they, we have a gift for you. So uh, just get that gift. It's a guy type of gift. And so y'all take it and enjoy, okay? Nancy, thank you so much. This coming Thursday is the movie matinee. The movie is Faith of Our Fathers. I hope you are planning to come. But if you are planning to come for the lunch at 1230, we need to hear from you no later than 4 o'clock tomorrow so that there will be lunch for you. It's $5. It's a Chick-fil-A lunch, a sandwich, chips, cookie, and a drink. Can't beat that deal. But we do need to hear from you if you're coming for lunch. Not if you're coming for the movie. There will be plenty of popcorn and cold water for you to drink during the movie. Dr. Kennedy has already referred to the musical next week. And I have it on good authority that those grillers of hot dogs will do it as you would like it. I've told them this past week I like mine burned. Some of you may like yours burned as well, so they will meet your request. I know that. And then if you were in the CLC or passed through this morning, you saw a couple of really bright colored, what are they called? Banners. Adult VBS. It is coming up July 12th through the 14th. That's Monday through Wednesday. And our theme this year is celebrating the sun. S-O-N, through Bible study, music, crafts, and fun. Nine to noon those three Sundays, or nine to noon those three days, and we will look forward to having you. You'll hear more about it as the weeks grow closer. Lifeline screening. Some of you I know have taken medical tests through lifeline screening in the past, and on August the 5th, they will be here in our building doing those screenings. You'll see on the table in the breezeway as well as in the main lobby this morning some pink flyers about that. I encourage you to take that. And then again, the lovely ladies standing at the doorways are going to give you men a gift. It's for every man who is here. There are two different ones, so please make sure that you take both of them. And I echo, we are indeed glad that Gordon Christopher was able to be back with us today. He lives in Georgia. But thank goodness his son is a pilot and he gets to fly free. So we're always glad when he can be with us to lead us in worship. I've asked him to come and lead in our closing prayer. Lord, we thank you for being a loving Heavenly Father. You love us no matter what we do. It's an unconditional love. Self-loving, sacrificing and we are inspired to learn from you. Help us to have an intimate relationship with you and to share that love with others around us. For you alone are worthy of our worship and our praise. Send us from this place rejoicing and living changed lives. In Jesus' name we pray.